Any good stories from the road? Or pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That poison proof. They're mongeese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Welcome to the Georgia Show. It is Vandy Week, homecoming weekend, and we invite you right out of the gates here to hit subscribe on the Dogs HQ YouTube channel. Thank you for tuning in to the Georgia Show. I already got a comment here from Miles Exley. How about them dogs? Hoping to see a healthy dose of Beck and Vandegrift this week. I think uh, if it's a healthy dose, then that means things are going all right for Georgia. Uh, doing this a couple days later than we normally do. Jake Rowe, Palmer Toms, how are we doing this week, fellas? Uh, doing great, man. Just uh, lost my voice. You like, game. Yeah, you sound like you're doing it. Yeah, lost my voice to the Braves game on uh, on uh, Tuesday night, uh, yeah, Wednesday night, whenever it was. Uh, so trying to get that back, but otherwise doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm over here getting ready for parents to come into town for homecoming week. Nashville family making the trip down for the Vanderbilt game. So got to gotta get the house all in order. Um, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> You don't need to pretend. They know what the score is. Uh, when when parents come into town for you, Palmer, where do y'all like to go eat? We're trying marker seven tonight. Uh, we're we're gonna try to get in there, but it may, it, may, it may be an earlier dinner just because we're trying to get in there. Um, they have not been. I have not been. I've heard great things about it, uh, but it went last time that that didn't work out. We ended up at Chuck's, which is, you know. What, 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 uh, you know, you can do worse. You, you can do a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. I just got back from St. Simon's for a few days. I've had enough fish. I think I'm starting to grow scales. So <laughs> you enjoy your marker seven. Uh, I'm going to be recouping a little bit. Guys, let's talk about Georgia and Vandy. I know everyone's excited about the Commodores coming into town as always. Um, I did see on Good Morning America, they had the, uh, the homecoming crowd for Athens, uh, already, already firing up and, We'll get into that a little bit later, but it's a great time of year for it. It's a great game for it, and I don't think Georgia typically has to worry too much about Vandy using this as bulletin board material. It's gotten them a couple times, got them in Kirby Smart's first year, but this season feels a little bit different, even though the dogs are under a different kind of microscope as the defending champs. Seems like a lot of things are big concerns when in other years they may not be. Uh, let's start at the mailman position, Stetson Bennett. Jake, you've uh, been covering this. You've canvassed this all week. Kirby Smart mentioned that Stetson may be dinged up. Let's uh, let's get right into that one. What's the latest on Stetson Bennett's health? You know, I, I don't think it's a prohibitive, um, oh, man, he's banged up. This is going to really affect his play a ton. I do think, though, that that in kind of checking with some people I trust, uh, that, that it did affect Georgia's uh, game plan a little bit for Auburn. I think they tried to be a little more safe early on, maybe try to prevent it from getting worse, not let Stetson get hit. Um, that didn't work out. That didn't look very good. And, you know, I know that I wasn't the only person kind of saying, man, what are we looking at here? Uh, with that said, you know, I do think that, you know, to, to the best of their ability, they're going to continue to be uh, – they're going to continue to be uh, cautious with Stetson and try to get him fully healthy. Um, you know, and I think that that be – you know, this week – I. I fully expect a steady dose of the ground game. And, uh, and for Georgia to really want to get that going, going into the bye, give them that extra week to heal up, 
and then uh, kind of get after it there. And, you know, I've been including the Florida game kind of in that November swing because it's so close to November. But that's the that's the section of Georgia season um, they've got to worry about, that they've got to get there. If you told Kirby Smart, hey, I'll, right now I'll give you a one-point win over Vanderbilt, no extra injuries, and then everybody else is healthy after the bye, I think you'd take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wes and I were just talking about, uh, you know, how banged up this team is, re- recapping some of those injuries, um, you know, for this team before we were recording. And, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of them. So I, I do agree with you there, Jake. I think that uh, that that quote unquote November stretch and and we do include Florida there um, has has always been the, the four game stretch that you circle on this calendar uh, on the schedule from the start. And, um, you know, that, that I, I completely agree with you. If, if if Kirby was given that option of, you know, hey, one point win over Vanderbilt, everybody's healthy, uh, coming out of the bye, you're ready to roll. Your football team is, is you know, at, at full strength going into that stretch. I definitely think you would take that. Um, but, you know, think that think that we're, we might see another limited, like you said, heavy dose of the ground game, limited game plan here um, on both sides of the ball. Obviously, you're not going to have Jalen Carter. Um, I probably doubt that you're going to see much of Smile Munden and Tresman Marshall. Um, they may play, they may be, uh, limited, but I, I think that they feel good with what they have in Ryan Davis. Uh, you know, they, they certainly feel good with what they have in, in Jamon Dumas Johnson, and they feel like they've got talented players there in Ryan Davis and Xavier Sori at that inside linebacker spot where they can work those guys back in, ease them back in. Um, the D line has done well without Jalen Carter, and and we certainly saw what the running backs were capable of without Kendall Milton last week. Yeah, uh, sets me up nicely for my next talking point, which is Branson Robinson, and he's the SEC freshman of the week for good reason. He shredded Auburn, and we've spoken on this show before about how a good running attack, a huge play in the running game, whether it's a an explosive one like Stetson's or just a physical performance like Branson had against the Tigers, how that can energize a team. Uh, what do you guys expect out of him in, in his development in Georgia's offense? It seems like it took him a few weeks to really get there to where Georgia needed him to be. But with Kendall Milton being out and limited, Branson Robinson finally seemed like he was ready to take that opportunity and make the most of it. You know, it was right around this time, Wes, Back in 2007, um, it was Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt before Florida. Vanderbilt before the bye week before Florida. If I'm not mistaken, I may have the bye week part messed up. Where it kind of, you know, you'd seen some flashes from Noshawn Moreno, who was a who was a redshirt freshman, uh, but he hadn't really taken the reins yet. And then some injuries, more than what George is dealing with now, by the way, um, kind of had forced him to, you know, really take you know take the reins of the running back position. I had a big game against Vanderbilt, big game against Florida, came out and had one of the best, you know, um, you know, seasons of a Georgia running back in, in the history of the program. Um, you know, so I think, you know, Branson Robinson's going to have an opportunity in this game because Kenny McIntosh is a guy I still think they have – they can use him any way they want, but I, have, I think they want to use him a certain way, uh, especially with him still trying to battle back from that thigh contusion. So it's it's Branson Robinson and it's Dejan Edwards kind of carrying the mail. They're the kind of the guys. They're the workhorses here, and uh, I think this is an opportunity for him. This is an opportunity to get his confidence up, 
to get his uh, to get the ball rolling, so to speak. He did that last week. If he can build on that this week, um, I think Georgia has really put itself in a good position because one of the things you also have to consider here is through five games, there's not a there wasn't a whole lot of tread on those tires. I mean, there's just not. I mean, a dozen to twenty carries maybe in a five game stretch. Um, you know, he has twelve now. I mean. You're talking about a guy that when you get down into November, you know, we talk about it, Tennessee, uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky, you can lean on 22 because he he has, he has he didn't take the beating earlier in the season that maybe some other guys did, and I think that's a really key point and something that Georgia, an ace Georgia has in his back pocket there. Uh, yeah, we heard from Broderick Jones this week, and I thought he had a pretty uh, funny – uh, account of the first time he saw Branson Robinson and when you see photos of Branson as a recruit I know a lot of Georgia fans did obviously that's going to get you excited about what he can bring to the table but to hear it from a Georgia player and an offensive lineman at that I think y'all will appreciate what Broderick had to say about 22 here time I saw him he was in a locker room and he had his shirt off and I'm like who is this like he makes me look little. I, I was like yo you gotta put a shirt on around here you're too big <laughs> you're too big you're too big uh and that's that's what Georgia needs what do y'all think about this Georgia running back room I think it was kind of a mystery at first this season with Kenny McIntosh being that Swiss Army guy to an extent but primarily being someone that looks like Georgia wanted to use and a lot of it's passing downs and and not necessarily lean on him too much between the tackles. But do y'all feel like Georgia's running back room, even with Kendall Milton's health being what it is uh, as a whole, do you feel like it's starting to take shape, uh, some of those running back rooms that we've seen in years past where Georgia can hit you with any one of its running backs? I do. I mean, I absolutely do. And I think that that Auburn game was big for that. Uh, go back to the fourth quarter of that of that Missouri game. That was big for that. Going back to what Jake said earlier here about Branson Robinson, 14 carries in four games did not play against Missouri. Uh, did not see the field against Missouri there, but 14 carries in those first four games, 12 against Auburn. Uh, no Sean Marino, Jake, you are correct. It was at Vanderbilt before a bye week, uh, 157 yards on 28 carries. Turns that into one, two, three, four straight hundred yard games, including uh, you know, 188 and three touchdowns uh, at Florida or versus Florida, three touchdowns the week after that, two against Auburn, one against Kentucky, 124 yards in that one. So um, if Georgia can get that kind of a production out of Branson Robinson, oh, yeah. I think that they will absolutely take that. Uh, I, I do think that we are going to continue to see Branson be a bigger part of this running back rotation. I do think that Wes, like you said, mm, <clears throat> Kenny, Kenny isn't really a running back. He's more of an all-purpose back in this offense. Um, and, and I know that's a phrase that, that hasn't been used in recruiting for a little while. Um, but, you know, to me, they want to get him touches, but it doesn't necessarily have to be strictly handoffs out of the backfield, uh, you know, but between the tackles. I think they would prefer to get him out in space. Now, he may line up in the backfield, but he's probably going to be running a lot of those plays that – Kirby, you know, talked about earlier, they're a part of the quote unquote run game, but they are also, you know, you, you're, you're going to see those show up on the passing stats. I think that'll help get Stetson back in a comfortable position. Uh, I, I think that that's probably a good part of the game plan for him if, if he is uh, banged up and you want to get him comfortable. 
But then I also think that when it comes to the between the tackles running, you've got a guy like Branson. You've got a guy like Dejan. Uh, Kendall is certainly capable of that. He's he's battled some injuries, struggled a little bit with fumbles there. Um, I think that they probably should turn more towards Branson and Dejan, uh, the the one-two punch that we saw against Auburn, uh, and and use Kenny McIntosh as as that all-purpose back. Yeah, that's no disrespect. I haven't really said Dejan's name much, and some of my friends are starting to call him Mustard. Honey Dijon, he's picking up some good nicknames right now, uh, but he's Grey been Poupon. pretty steady. What's that? The Grey Poupon. Yeah. Uh, he's been pretty steady in Georgia's backfield too, so I don't want to uh, overlook that either. Um, it's just so many guys that, that Georgia's recruited and built up, and it's not Zamir White and James Cook uh, levels of productivity, but Georgia's gotten really used to those two guys over the past few years, and it, it almost seemed like the new dogs had to take a minute to start to carve out their own path as well. Yeah, Wes, I think that is a very a very spot-on observation there is you come into the season, you're kind of like, well, who does what? You know, and I know that I, I had made the prediction maybe my first or second day here. I said I thought Dejon Edwards was going to lead the team in rushing. Um, you know, there was part of that as I was like, he can. There's part of that was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, you know, but I also felt like when you looked at the injury history, of Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh that Dejan had a chance to stay healthy all year where those guys did not I didn't have Branson Robinson in the mix at all. And the reason I didn't was something you brought up. I believe it was last podcast, Wester, last live show. Uh, Andrew Paul had a, had a little bit of a lead on him. Um, I mean, if Branson Robinson is as good as we've seen against Auburn and Andrew Paul had a lead on him, you know, or, or was looking better. I mean, maybe Andrew Paul's got a really bright future at this year game of football. Uh, but I think that I think that, like you said, Wes, the the point here is that everybody has kind of fallen into place. It's almost like a zipper merge here, where you've got guys just kind of fitting in, you know, getting in where they fit in, and they're they're playing well. And Dejan has kind of taken on a little bit of a bell cow role. Uh, you've got Branson Robinson doing the same thing, and then I think Kenny McIntosh, the way he's different than James Cook, and, and I'm not saying it's better than James Cook, but the way he's different is. He's a good 15, 20 pounds heavier, you know, at least 15 pounds heavier. He's a bigger back. He's a stronger back. And he's got great hands. He does. He's amazing hands. And so, but, but, but the, you saw James Cook do some stuff between the tackles with vision and, and burst and things like that. Obviously, that big round of the national championship game. Kenny McIntosh can do those same things for you. He can also break a few tackles for you and run with some power, pick up those extra two or three yards there at the end of a run. And I think that's something that he brings a little bit different to the table. It's a very different group than last year, but it's one where, like you said, guys are starting to find their role, their niche. And, and not only them, but Todd Monk and Del McGee, uh, Stetson Bennett, everybody is kind of kind of realizing this is where he can help us the most. This is where he can help us the most, and this is where he fits in. And I think that's a huge part to becoming a championship offense. Speaking of good fits, I want to put a pin in that. Let's look at some really great fits over at BreakingT.com. Uh, our friend Sam Franco has a great selection of tees over at Breaking T. Stuff from the mailman, Brock Bowers, Christopher Smith, Darnell Washington. I like to burn the boats. Uh, we haven't really heard that uh, said too much since the season started, but I think Kirby Smart still believes that's what Georgia can do. There's a link to Breaking T. 
in the uh, episode description. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to the replay on podcast, BreakingT.com, the Georgia collection is as strong as it gets. Uh, Jake, you mentioned something about Georgia's offense earlier in the show, you know, potentially trying to protect Stetson Bennett a little bit, but I want to look big picture at what Todd Munkin's doing. That zipper comment you had kind of intrigues me here. When you look at the big picture of what Todd Munkin's tried to do with this group of dogs, uh, I'm not speculating here. I don't know that the answer could be no to this question. But do you think that Todd Munkin has had somewhat of a luxury in some of these games to almost test some things, experiment with some things, when a lot of people may be looking for Georgia's offense to have a certain identity? With some of these matchups here being as lopsided as they are, uh, do you think Todd Munkin's been able to just tinker, turn the dials, turn the knobs a little bit, and find out what this team is really made of for when the dogs need it down the stretch? I think some of that may be at play. Um, does it make sense to say that, you know, to bring that tinkering element in while also saying kind of having kind of he's tinkering maybe out of necessity because of injuries? Um, I think George is also really well-rounded as an offense to the point of, hey, listen, does it have the top-end wide receiver talent that Ohio State does? No, but it's got – it works the middle of the football field better. It's got a better playmaker in Brock Bowers. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, there, there are ways it's better than maybe an Ohio state or an Alabama offense. And there are ways that it's worse, but ultimately there are a lot of different ways this Georgia offense can beat you. Right. And the way I look at it as Todd Munkin, the luxury he has is to come in with each game and to kind of figure out, well, this is where I believe we can attack them the best. And, most of the time that's worked. It didn't against Missouri, and I still firmly believe it didn't against Missouri because of the fact that they couldn't keep Stetson Bennett upright. If they could have kept him upright in that game and kept him from taking so many shots, I think they could have thrown the ball downfield on Missouri and really lit him up. But Missouri did a good job of getting to the quarterback because Georgia's offensive line didn't play well. Um, but I think, you know, otherwise, you know, you've got games where they, you know, where they're doing this out of necessity, you know, call it tinkering, call it, experimenting whatever and then in other games it's been well we know we know we feel strongly that this is going to work like against Oregon all of the quick stuff all of the getting the ball out of Stetson's hand and going fast and I think that you know that was something that worked really well I just think right now Georgia's got a lot of different knives in the bag where you know some of those they need to start trading for guns uh, because you're going to need them uh, but they've got a lot of different knives in the bag, really good ones, throwing knives even. But Yeah, they got yeah. some throwing knives. Yeah, get, get you, get you something that's going to get you a pow-pow there at some point, one yeah. or two or three, and I think they've got them. They just got to get them healthy and get them rolling. Stetson's throwing I, I, some I hatchets picture, right now too. I can picture Wes cutting this this part up and, and make it in. Pow-pow, pow-pow. Pow-pow, pow-pow. There you go. Get you some throwing knives. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's hop over to the defensive side of the ball. Palmer, you had a really nice piece on this cat right here, Nolan Smith, and uh, his decision to come back, I think, is paying off, uh, specifically from the leadership standpoint. If it's not paying off a ton for Nolan Smith, it's paying off for Kirby Smart. He says he really likes Nolan's leadership, and Georgia needs that right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I, I feel like I said it last week against Auburn. 
Um, feel like it, it, it sort of applies here too. Feel like there's there's a breakout element that's that's still there for Nolan, still there for Robert Beal too. Had him as a uh, as a player to watch this week. Um, Vanderbilt not so great at protecting the passer. Uh, allowed. What is Vanderbilt great at? Mm, academics. Academics. Okay. Um, I don't think I, you're putting uh, any points on the scoreboard for that. Yeah, but then but then they go and they throw a ball like laterally you know, way less than laterally against Ole Miss last week. And they don't even get on it. And you're just kind of like, I think it was Pat Forty who said this. He's like, man, for a program that has such high academic standards, Vanderbilt makes some of the most boneheaded mistakes on the football field of any <laughs> program you'll ever see. And he nailed it. I mean, it's not a Clark Lee thing. They did it under James Franklin at times. They did it under um, Derek Mason at times. Like, I don't, I don't get it. But, I mean, they they kind of threw that game away to Ole Miss by not getting on that lateral because they had a chance to stay in it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, watched a little bit of the highlights of that game. Haven't seen a ton of that, but that was certainly one that was included. Um, you know, as far as Nolan goes, I, I think that, Wes, you're absolutely right that that him coming back has been big for Georgia, um, you know, creating a little bit of continuity on this def- defense um, where they didn't have a ton of it. Um, you know, I, I look at it and I, I – you absolutely see his leadership. Uh, Talked to him to him after this Auburn game, um, and you could you could sense uh, you know how much he he wants this, how much he cares. Um, you know, said that he's he was choking up. You know, at times, uh, Jake, I, I I remember you know watching his interview with you after the Missouri game. Uh, I think he said something. You know, said that he was going to cry there. Said he was going to cry. Man. Very emotional uh, this season, huh? Yeah, said said that he feels like he wants to cry after some of these games just because he knows, you know, how few he does, you know, how few opportunities he has left. Um, and I think that says a lot about Nolan. Uh, you know, he he expressed before the season he came back to get a degree. He came back because he wants to leave a legacy uh, here at Georgia. Um, you know, something that that he wanted to do was be a team captain. I think he's well on his way to that. He's been a uh, game captain for three of the six so far. Um, absolutely, in my mind, is he one of the the permanent team captains at the end of the season? Um, but I think we've certainly seen uh, we've certainly seen Nolan Smith step up as a leader. Kirby said that when you talk about people that are going to do really great things after football, Nolan Smith is one of them, and and I think that's some of the highest praise you can get uh, out of a coach that really is is you know sometimes not too. Uh, Full of praise. I agree with that too because uh, I remember last year after the Georgia had lost the SEC championship game, it was between the SEC championship game and the playoff or the national championship game. And Nolan Smith, in like a, a moment of like vulnerability, was like, I've never won anything. Like, yeah. I've always been this great player. He didn't say that about himself, but he had, he kind of had this thing like, you know, hey, listen, I've, I've come a long way, right? Like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, college student athlete and I'm probably gonna, I'm going to play in the NFL but I've never won anything and that's really what I want to do just on that moment of vulnerability I don't know there there are a lot of guys that just aren't necessarily adjusted or as or um comfortable with themselves or comfortable in their own skin as much to just come right out and say I've never won anything and and that's all I really care about is just winning something um I don't know it's just a brutally honest moment with yourself and 
Um, you know, obviously he loves the university. Yeah, you're not putting that at the top of the LinkedIn bio. Yeah, right. <laughs> Never really honest anything. with myself. Um, but no, I just I mean, and then to come back and to, you know, be what he has meant to this team thus far. Um, you know, he's on pace to have a really good football season. And yeah, he's, he's had uh five tackles for loss so far this season. He only I had think eight. they missed one too, but yeah. Eight. Yeah. Uh two sacks. He had four and a half last season. Sacks aren't easy to come by right now for anybody. Um, but Nolan's trying to dial that one up. The one thing that I wonder, you know, if it's a product of scheme or of where he is on the field, he had 53 total tackles last season. He only has 15 right now, according to sportsreference.com. Might need to cross-reference some of those numbers, but they're usually pretty accurate. Uh, 11 solo tackles, and he had 29 last year. So definitely behind the trend if you're looking at halfway through the year. Um and look, there's some post-game numbers in there too. But but what are y'all seeing from, from his statistical standpoint of kind of racking up some of those tackles that he had last year versus this season, you know, maybe not quite where he was last year in his production? Well, the five tackles for loss certainly stands out for me. Um, you know, going back and looking at, uh, you know, his, his game logs here, um, you know, having one in each of the last five games, uh, certainly impressive. Um, you know, trying to find here and, and having a little bit of difficulty. How many tackles for loss did he have last year? Because I, last I, year, last year he had, um, I believe it was ten and a half. I got eight. I don't know if they only count the regular season or what. Uh, yeah, I've got him down for ten last okay. season. According to anyway. college football stats, uh, which you know, kind of does a pretty good job breaking them down. But yeah, I've got him. I've got him for a total of ten last year with three and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, a, a one punt blocked. He I had mean, an interception. Yeah, interception and a fumble, a fumble recovery, on a fumble being forced. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, certainly, <clears throat> certainly was very impressive last year. Um, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with. He is, um, you know, especially with Jalen Carter out right now, uh, you know, if you're scheming up against this defense and you're scheming up protections, you're going to protect against Nolan Smith. Uh, you know, certainly uh, that that's where a lot of your attention is going to go, uh, whereas you couldn't necessarily do that last year with a Trayvon Walker, a Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, there was nowhere to go last year for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he was opened up a lot because of the other guys that were around him. So. Um, that's not to say that he can't do it when he's not surrounded by other incredibly talented players. Um, but, you know, I, I certainly think that that factors into a little bit of the statistical drop off. And Kirby also said, you know, last year's team, they were in a lot of, uh, you know, third and, and passing situations. You, they, they were able to rush the passer and that's why their sack numbers were up. Uh, they, they haven't been in as many of those situations this year. Um, where they're, they're able to get their third down group grouping on the field. Uh, you know, early in the season, they played a lot of teams that wanted to get the ball out quick on them. Um, I certainly would with, with, you know, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith coming after me. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with situational football and, and you know, the, the guys that are around him. There's a lot more attention on Nolan this year. 
There is, but he's also off to a better start than he got off to last year as well. Um, he had four tackles for a loss and two sacks in the playoff. Um, that accounted for almost half of his tackles for a loss last year and over half of the sacks. Um, so, you know, he, he came on big when Georgia needed him the most last year, um, but he's also gotten off to a little bit of a quicker start, and he's kind of been that go-to guy that you look for for a behind-the-chains um, type of play. I think also maybe getting a guy like Jalen Carter back um, is just going to help him out, just going to free him up to get some more one-on-one opportunities and, and uh, kind of maybe keep teams a little bit more honest. Yeah, George is going to love uh, to get him back for sure. And uh, just because Georgia has a bye week next week doesn't mean that we don't have premium updates on the injury front coming up uh, and on the recruiting front. As you see scrolling at the bottom of the YouTube stream here, $1 for a year at dogshq.com for premium stories. And uh, certainly want to take advantage of that. Jake had a good notebook session for all of our readers this morning as Georgia tries to get some guys healthy, uh, but also looks ahead to uh, some greener pastures, perhaps, on the second half of the season. Speaking of recruiting, guys, let's get into that before we chop some wood and wrap up. I thought Kirby had a pretty good uh, telling uh, reveal of, of his schedule each weekend, of, of how busy he is on home weekends and what all goes in to big visits for the dogs. The guy doesn't get to stop just because – coaching a game he still has to keep the lifeblood of the program going here's a uh, kirby's itinerary any given home recruiting weekend meetings friday night we have meetings saturday morning we have meetings saturday in the middle we have meetings saturday night we have meetings sunday morning and we have meetings sunday afternoon before they leave just constant we try to meet with every kid we possibly can uh and as far as this weekend goes jake roos uh, dialed in and gave me an update on what Georgia can expect this weekend. Spoiler alert, it's not as big as it was last weekend, but Georgia's recruiting week was pretty, pretty dang hot, guys. Here's what our Dogs HQ recruiting insider, uh, Jake Roos, had to tell me about what Georgia did this past weekend and what you can maybe expect from some other names to pop as Georgia's season of recruiting continues. Followed up a big visit weekend against Auburn with results, this time in the form of key commitments, as the Bulldogs were able to reel in two of last weekend's visitors on Monday. And both of these guys were priority targets for a long time for the Dogs. First off was Sakovi White, three-star wide receiver out of Cartersville Cass High School, and a guy that Georgia has been watching since the summer. He came in, had a standout camp performance, and uh, really caught their eye. Brian McClendon kept the heat on, and uh, Georgia's able to close it out. Becomes Georgia's second commitment at the wide receiver position for 2024, joining NICAR, um, really shaping up nicely for Georgia on that front, and uh, kudos to McClendon early on in that cycle. But uh, the big news, obviously, this week, I think was in 2023, a major hit. Same day on Monday, uh, they're able to flip four-star running back Roderick Robinson from UCLA after just one single visit to Athens. Uh, his official visit pays off in a major, major way. Um, size, speed, power to spare. Uh, this guy has all the tools that the dogs were looking for, and uh, they stayed on him once they discovered him, even though he was committed. You know, they went out and uh, put the work in. Was really impressed to see that they were able to get that closed in one trip. Uh, major win, though, uh, definitely position in need, and uh, I think that they can breathe a little bit easier now at the 
running back position. They'll probably want to take another guy, but Robinson, a huge, huge get for Georgia. Now, as for this weekend, temper your expectations a little bit. I don't think we're going to be anywhere near the star power that we saw on the sidelines last weekend, but there is one guy that you definitely need to keep your eyes on, and that's uh, Ryan Puglisi of uh, Avon, Connecticut in uh, Old Avon Farm School. 2024 guy, and this is a guy Georgia was really impressed with over the course of the summer. Uh, came in and camped, camped with Alabama as well. Earned offers from both schools uh, right next to each other. And uh, he's been a major priority since. I know he's a three-star guy. People tend to uh, kind of turn their nose up at that. But I caution you to do so with Ryan Puglisi. If this visit goes the way that many people think that it can, uh, the buzz is heavy enough around Georgia that you, you should definitely keep your eyes open. So there could be some major rewards at the end of this one if it goes the way that everybody hopes it will. No question, Kirby Smart and company will be hoping that they're able to do that. So definitely watch for the Puglisi visit this weekend in Athens. Keep your eyes peeled. We'll have you covered at Dogs HQ on all things Dogs recruiting. All right, thank you. Oh, hey, was that a, was that a little? You keep your eyes peeled, like like Chris Peel. The I think the that was a Bruce, Bruce subtle, be dropping something in there for us. Yeah, Jake isn't normally one to use the word play like that. He usually is a pretty straight shooter. I thought you were about to say that Roos isn't normally a guy to use the word peel. No, uh, I've never heard him use it actually yeah. so me i neither. might not so, be me but neither. i i think you could be onto something jake i think that branson robinson saw some of the uh or broderick who, broderick. Am, I, who am i talking about here? Bro, roderick robinson roderick robinson we, we got a we had, Bro, robinson. We had broderick, broderick jones branson robinson all right anyway. broderick jones talked about branson robinson and now we got a commit from roderick robinson that is why it all came together this week. I think he saw the attendance at those UCLA games and said, I got to get out of here, man. No. I got to get out of this situation. This is rough. But a big week for Georgia nonetheless. Yeah, no doubt. They need a 40,000-seater there at UCLA, but that's – Rose Bowl's awesome. It's gorgeous. Hope you guys – you know, I think you've been, Wes, but um, – I've been. Hope you Palmer. get a chance to go, Palmer. It's amazing. Palmer, I like your chances, I think, as long as you keep covering Georgia. I think uh, well, hey, they'll they probably the be back there set. one day. They got the home and home set. so Yeah, it's true. Uh, guys, let's chop some wood. Speaking of home, I'll start us off. It's homecoming weekend. And I think, uh, you know, if you look at Georgia homecoming games, obviously you want those to be secure by about the third or fourth quarter. And, and they typically can be against Vandy. But if you are coming in town – to see the dogs. Uh, I just want y'all to enjoy it. Soak it up. You don't get many of these games. You don't get many of these perfect Georgia fall weekends, and it's going to be special. The uh, parade going on tonight, uh, which will be cool for all the families going out and about. I think the undergrads will probably get fired up a little bit later in the evening. Um, but look, you don't get many classic city opportunities like this one. For Georgia to host an SEC opponent, say what you will about Vandy. Uh, it, it's shaping up to be a pretty special season once again. And uh, if you see me around campus this weekend or, or Jake or Palmer heading in, uh, just just encourage them. You know, let them know. Hey, guys, we, we all have jobs to do, but let's enjoy Athens, Georgia on a homecoming weekend. That's what I'm passionate about. Uh 
this Friday as we are live right now and as we head into another Georgia weekend. I just hope that y'all uh, y'all have fun and uh, support the dogs and soak up what should be a very successful, beautiful Georgia football weekend. Very mild and very short chopping wood for me today. Um, listen to your head coach. Um, not listen to everything your head coach has to say. Don't always assume he's telling you the truth because, you know, they do like to be cagey with injuries. Um, you know, Kirby Smart telling us A.D. Mitchell could go back into the Sanford game, but, you know, still hasn't played but one snap since. Um, but listen to them when they talk about the players. And the reason I say that is because something – you know, you hear a lot of people talk about Georgia's wide receiver room. They like to kind of bag on it a little bit. Well, Georgia doesn't have that guy, and this guy's no good, and this guy's no good. And, you know, a guy that's come up in some of those conversations is Jackson Meeks. And Kirby Smart came out uh, came out earlier this week, and Jackson Meeks was meeting with the media. He called Jackson Meeks a special teams demon. And Palmer wrote about it. Uh, but I want to talk about it because there's a know-it-all culture around the sport. And I fall into that category too. Sometimes I think at least I give off that impression to some readers. Um, because if you're trying to break a dead game down with some film and you're trying to show something that stands out to you, you're going to come across as kind of absolute. You've studied it. You feel good about it. You're, you're the expert. You know, you're right. Yeah. You're, you're the expert. Um, but I didn't know Jackson Meeks was a special teams demon. I didn't know he was a great special teams player. Um, a lot of other guys who study film or write about this football team, they didn't know that either. Kirby Smart came out and said it. And fans need to listen to that kind of thing because when you're out there and you want to kind of, you know, you're out there standing out there holding your Bud Light at your tailgate and you want to talk about, the, you know, the, the problem that's Georgia's receiver situation in your eyes and you want to talk about how the kid from Phoenix City, Alabama, just isn't a good football player. Kirby Smart says he's a really good football player and he helps Georgia win ball games. And I think folks need to understand things like that and kind of take heed to him a little bit more often than we do. Um, just because he's not showing up in somebody's film review or he's not catching six balls for, you know, 107 yards and two touchdowns on Saturday, doesn't mean he's not helping that football team. Doesn't mean he's not a really good football player. And doesn't mean he's not setting himself up for a bigger role down the road. Yeah, I well, love that. Well said, Jake. Well said. And, and, and I'm going to chop wood uh, along similar lines there about listening to your coach. Uh, the defensive uh, out, defensive side of the football, outside linebackers. Talked about Nolan Smith earlier in the show. Uh, hinted at Robert Beal there. And, and I'm going to talk more about him here. Kirby had some high praise for Robert Beal last week, too. Um, and, and, you know, both those guys are contributors on the defensive side of the football haven't had as many sacks, but like I said, uh, like Kirby said, they aren't in as many third and sack situations. Um, so, you know, they, they aren't able to go after those guys. It's not that, you know, Robert Beal has lost his pass rush ability in the offseason. He led the team in sacks last year. It's not that Nolan Smith can't rush the passer. He was the number one player coming out of high school because of his elite pass rushing ability. Um, so I, I think that there's a breakout day coming for those guys. Uh, Jake, like you pointed out with, with Nolan, he had a better second half of the season than he did first. I uh, think that, that, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, this being the, you know, the start of the second half here that there's six games in, they've played half their regular season. Um, you know, to me, this is the, this is, you know, 
kind of the end of the first half because you you have the bye week to kind of flip the turn the page, uh, flip things over to the second half of the season. But this is also an opportunity to get the second half of the regular season started in a really strong way. So think that there's a breakout game coming for for those outside linebackers and this Georgia pass rush. Speaking of uh, breakout games, we do our picks every weekend, and Palmer, you are taking, I believe, the only. All right, Roos is taking Miss State and Kentucky, but you're taking Bama, Tennessee. You want to give us an early prediction here on how you're going to uh, evaluate this game and our our staff picks? Or are you going to hold this one close to the vest for now? Mm, um, you know, I, I I think that my my feelings towards Tennessee are pretty well known, being from the state of Tennessee. Uh, there's a lot of loud uh, Tennessee Twitter people, uh, and and I think that there's the, you know they, they absolutely are proud of their football team. There's nothing wrong with that, uh, but I, I really want to see Tennessee play a good football team. You know, we we talked about it last. I think it was last show. We're talking about Tennessee. Um, you know, recapping that Tennessee LSU game a little bit. But looking at who Tennessee's played, Pitt isn't all that good. They lost to Georgia Tech. Uh, LSU's not all that good. I mean, they, they, they were down 17 nothing to Auburn. Florida's not all that good. Uh, I if, if Tennessee can win this game Saturday, I'll be very impressed. I don't think that they are going to. Uh, that's, that seven number is interesting, especially a lot of that hinges on um, whether Bryce Young plays or not. I think r- regardless, uh, I, I do think that Alabama wins this game and covers. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you all that one there. I think Nick Saban may have found – the uh, the recovery pool uh, somewhere for Bryce Young that just has the the best minerals and salt water probably in some hidden remote jungle somewhere to get that kid's shoulder ready to go because the Tide uh, definitely need Bryce Young after watching that Texas A and M game uh, that that is just huge for me. I think I'll- that betting line lets us know that that Vegas expects him to play. Probably so. I mean, look, Vegas and myself, they haven't really been able to pin the dogs this season. I'll tell you that no. much. Um, anyways, you can check out our picks at dogshq.com. We'll have those up later this afternoon. If you're watching live, thanks to everyone tuning in. And uh, thank you for subscribing on YouTube, on podcasts, wherever you catch this show. Much, much more where this came from this weekend uh, over at Dogs HQ. Appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the game. We'll catch you uh, – I guess in about 48 hours, maybe less than that. Once this game goes final, we got this yeah, game. We'll see you fellas. Oh, and go Braves. Of course. Go Braves. Later.